0: Welcome to the Dementia Researcher Podcast, brought to you by the University College London and the NIHR, in association with Alzheimer's Research UK, Alzheimer's Society, Race Against Dementia and the Alzheimer's Association, supporting early career dementia researchers across the world.
1: Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Dementia Researcher Podcast. I'm Dr. Fiona McLean and I'm delighted to be hosting this special episode recorded on location from the Alzheimer's Research UK conference in amazing Aberdeen. We're sitting with our coats on, not because it's cold outside, but because Adam switched off the heating in this room. This is the first show in a two-part special, bringing you all the news and highlights from one of my favourite events in the calendar. Today we're focusing on the Early Career Researcher Day, which is a fantastic combination of Career Talks and ECR Flash presentations. Joining me to share their best bits and takeaways, I have the brilliant Dr. Claire Durant, the amazing Dr. Ian Harrison, and the incredible Dr. Soraya Mefta. Hello, everyone. Hi, Anne! Hi. Hello. Um, so, what we're going to do is go around the table and do some proper introductions. So, we will kick off with Claire. Hi, I'm Dr. Claire Durant, and I'm a Race Against Dementia
2: Dyson Fellow working at the University of Edinburgh. Fantastic. Soraya? Hello, I'm Soraya Mefter and I'm a postdoctoral research fellow also at the University of Edinburgh. And Ian.
0: Hi, so my name is Ian Harrison. I'm an Alzheimer's Research UK and Parkinson's UK uh, senior research fellow at UCL.
1: Thanks, everyone. Before we get into your highlights, I just want to ask, is anyone presenting this week? Yes, I
3: have a 10-minute presentation in the Scottish Research Highlights on the Wednesday, so very excited um, to be showcasing some of the work we're doing in Edinburgh.
1: Fantastic. I will also be joining you in that session, Claire, as well, Uh, and I will be talking about some of my work with type 2 diabetes and the links with Alzheimer's and what we think is happening in the blood-brain barrier. So let's get to the highlights. Claire, would you like to go first?
3: Yeah, so I'm perhaps a little biased because I chaired one of the sessions today, but it was a, ch- um, a session all about building independence. So three fantastic um, early to mid-career sort of PIs, all talking about the sort of challenges, pitfalls and highs of starting your own lab um, and how to manage that. Who, who was in that session? Um, so it was Dr. Petra Poristi from uh, University College or King's College London, I think. Um, Dr. Greg Finlay from Dundee and um, Daniel Erskine from Newcastle.
1: Amazing. And what was the sort of main takeaways
3: from that panel that you chaired? I think a lot of it was that no one has the same path and kind of finding your own way in science, be that through finding the right mentors, finding the right question, but then also when you get that sort of initial funding really to try and capitalise on it. So making sure you're negotiating for things like extra space, getting more grant funding in, getting the right people into your lab and also planning your life around it, you know have kids and that you can do things like have kids and look after family members and be a PI and be successful. So it was really fantastic to have some very open and honest conversations about sort of balancing different challenges with the science, but also the home life balance as well.
1: Absolutely. I was in that session and I completely agree with you. It was great to hear about people who have had challenges but have gone on and been extremely successful and have also managed to have that work-life balance, which is essential to any researcher to be a healthy person and the best person they can be and therefore the best scientist they can be. So I thought it was an excellent um, panel and you chaired it so well.
3: Oh, thank you. I think we tried to see it as a bit of a rallying rallying cry, if you like, to puts a bit of change into the field as well because a lot of us have come up against some barriers in our career but we sense that it's getting better and if we can keep pushing things in the right way and kind of make it better for the people coming up after us and for ourselves as we continue to work through this field I think that would be fantastic so huge thing came up was the role in men in sort of parental leave as well that it's not just going to be a female problem the idea of having children in science and how we can support people with children working in the lab and just making it a bit more common and chatting about it so that it's not some sort of deep, dark secret that, funnily enough, people have lives outside of science. That's actually a part of what makes us good at the jobs that we do.
1: And I think having these panels sort of normalises these conversations for the next generation of researchers coming through, because we're sitting here as sort of postdoc level and fellows, but we have a lot of PhD students here, so I think it's really great for them to hear those conversations early on in their academic careers as well. Soraya. What was your favourite panel or highlight from today?
2: So I always really like the ECR days because I think um, PhD students are kind of the best presenters of the work. I always enjoy watching them present more than senior PIs that maybe are a little bit less in love with the science. Whereas whenever I watch PhD students presenting their work, they're kind of so excited and so invested. And we've had like a very good selection of just 15 or 10-15 minute talks and then we also had like quite a nice array of flash talks as well and I think flash talks are also very difficult to get in a lot of information in like two three minutes and all of them did such a fabulous job um I was trying to read my notes to figure out if I could like pick out one or two names that were like really highlighted for me but I think all of them were just so amazing so Go PhDs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. I also thought from watching the PhD talks that the slides are so clear. Yeah. The illustrations the PhD students are using are just yeah. so sharp. And sometimes you get a professor when they give a talk, it'll have about 50 different graphs on it. Yeah. No, no, no. They're all snipped out of papers yeah. and they kind of rush through them. But these PhD students, they were so clear and concise, and it really is a credit to them. Yeah. <laughs> how good that was and that's such an important skill for being able to communicate your research so I agree it was excellent.
3: I thought one thing that was really nice that they started to do this year was have a lay slide at the end and that was something that all the Mm. PhD students Mm. I thought did really well to kind of really Mm. convey it in a way that if you had to take this away and just portray it to any member of the public on the street that's what you would say and I think that was a really nice thing they've added for this particular conference.
1: Yeah I think so as well and I think with the lay slide is actually it's also very good for scientists (laughs) because sometimes Someone can present quite a lot of research, and just having that last slide where it's all summarised, you go, "Oh yeah, I sort of I see the whole picture."
0: Really, kind of distils it down to like the main points. Absolutely.
1: So, Ian, what was your favourite thing or highlight from today?
0: So, at the same time as Claire was in her session, which I would have wanted to go to actually, but I was in. So, I was a a panel member on. the uh, panel uh, discussion about mentoring. So um, we were discussing um, a pilot project that was rolled out a couple of years ago now. Um, it was a mentoring, a pairing scheme between Scotland and UCL. Um, so I was on there um, as the mentor in the, my mentor-mentee pair with um, Josie Fullerton. So um, we were kind of, we were talking about um, the kind of impact that this uh, network scheme has had and um uh Nathan kind of presented some some of the data showing um how this has positively affected the kind of careers and progressions of of the people that have been involved and and uh what our, our our kind of you know interests were if you know if we'd got what we wanted out of the scheme and that sort of thing. um yeah, and kind of me and Josie kind of gave a bit of background about what um how we were paired. Um, how we mentor, so how often we meet, just to give um, kind of ECRs an idea of what mentoring could be if you get involved in in one of these schemes. So.
1: Sounds fantastic. So just a little bit more on the mentoring. So it's an Alzheimer's Research UK led scheme now, because mm-hmm. after the pilot between UCL and Scotland networks, it was deemed so successful that AIR UK decided to roll it out. And um, so, if you want any more information, you'll be able to find that on their website. Um, but back to your your pair. So you and Josie were set up during uh, the pilot scheme, mm-hmm. and have continued to. Yeah, so start
0: we we highlighted actually in our slides that we presented today when we were initially paired. It said there was a sentence in this in the in the kind of um blurb that we got sent that the initial pilot was supposed to be for six months mm. but we're kind of two years old and we still kind of meet each each month but um yeah so we were initially paired as part of the pilot scheme and we've just kind of uh continued to meet i mean things have kind of changed a bit since we've um since we started meeting and the the roles of you know the things that we focus on and the, the things that we discuss on a on a month-to-month basis have kind of changed and evolved over time but um i think we're both keen to kind of keep that going as long as we can
1: that's fantastic. And hopefully from doing the session at the conference, more of the ECRs will be aware of the scheme and mm-hmm. then hopefully more yeah. people will sign up as well next year because everyone I speak to has said that it's been such a fantastic scheme and it's, mm. it's really worked well. So that sounds like it would be a really great panel. I also I also wasn't at that one, but um, hopefully uh, well, it's good to catch up with you. Yeah. You know <laughs> about it. Um, so back to you, Claire. Was there anything else? So apart from you chairing the panel... Um, What else have you really enjoyed from this day? Well, there was a fantastic PhD talk
3: that, for me, I'm all about organotypic brain slices. And um, Emily Groves from King's College London, I thought, did a really good tour de force. Really interesting data about synaptogyrin 3 and tau pathology and slices. And she just did a fantastic job of presenting it in a really engaging way. So, no doubt some of my team will be running through the conference centre trying to find her to have a chat. So, it's things like that, you know, just getting a flavour for what people are working on. It just really inspires you and to make connections and things. And yeah, just like Soraya, I was really overwhelmed by how fantastic people are at presenting their work. And the ECR day gives that kind of environment that you can see people feel a bit more relaxed. and. The level of questions that we were getting after these talks, you know, each talk probably had 20 really good questions. Um, People could vote up and down. So we're getting really relevant questions asked and answered as well. So the engagement with the science is just always so impressive.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. I thought that talk was a standout for myself as well. And I thought the one thing that she spoke about was actually how she had moved to the slices from originally planning to have done this in, in vivo, in mouse models, and how COVID had actually disrupted that and she'd moved to the slices instead. So I thought sort of now hearing sort of as we move away from that initial COVID interruption in our working and research lives it's really great to see how she's managed that adapted it and has still got this fantastic data um using a technique that she hadn't originally planned on doing um, and obviously is a technique that lots of people can use and like you said your team will be running after her to find <laughs> out how she's getting on with it and um, so that's really really great sorry apart from the phd talks was there anything that you um really enjoyed hearing about today
2: so I, um, I actually don't know how this slipped my mind as not being my first thing. Um, and so what I really like about Alzheimer's Research UK is they always tend to start the conference off with kind of framing it back into the actual disease. So today we had Kath Baxter talking to us at the start of the day about her experience with her mum and how she had frontotemporal dementia and how that had affected her life, her dad's life and then how she'd kind of channeled that into fundraising. So actually, I've kind of written down a few notes from that. Like She's raised over £80,000, which I think is like a ridiculous amount of money. And actually, I didn't realise that ARUK itself, um, 73p from each pound goes to research, which I think is a really high amount compared to other charities. So that was something I'd pulled separately, apart from the fact that um, I think we can always get quite bogged down in our research and the day-to-day kind of things in the lab and you just forget about the actual disease that you're studying or the diseases let's say that we're studying um, so it was really nice to have CAF kind of bring it back to being like this is the patient this is why we like everyone appreciates the work that you do and how great it is and so I always find it quite a motivating powerful um, moment in the conferences whenever they have the kind of volunteers come in or people with lived experiences that they then share it with us and it's just yeah, it's a really nice moment for me always.
1: Absolutely. Um, Kath actually spoke up one of our Scotland Network ECR days uh, before the pandemic, so probably about five years ago now. And it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it was incredible then what she was doing with her fundraising and her story about her mum. But it's really incredible now to see her back still fundraising and still, you know, spreading that message about why we need to do dementia research um, and her her work and her yeah, she's just a fantastic person uh, to hear speak, and these lived experiences—they always really get me. I'm sitting there, sort of welling up, yeah. and it—it it does, put, it does put into perspective your research because sometimes you can get really stressed out and you get a bit fed up with the lab if things aren't going um, as you want them to. But then you hear these people speak, and it just—it's like a reset for me personally. It's like a reset to be like, okay, right. Maybe there's some struggles, but actually what the bigger picture here is, you know, we're really trying to solve this disease. And, and these are the people that are behind us. And um, when we feel alone in the lab, these are the people who are sitting at home, absolutely rooting for us. So, oh, you can hear my voice. I'm getting a bit emotional again.
0: It's why we're here, right? It's, and it's yeah. nice to have that at the beginning of the conference to kind of, it kind of brings everyone onto the same level. And it's like, right, we're here to talk about the science that we've been doing. We are, we yeah. are together in this problem.
1: It sets the tone, I think. Yeah. It sets from farewell and, yeah. you know, big thanks to Kath yeah. for sharing yeah. her story because mm-hmm. it's not easy for her either yeah. to stand up in front of so many people and talk about that. So thank you, Kath. Um, Ian, what was another takeaway from today that you enjoyed?
0: Yeah, so I was going to highlight a talk from a PhD student I saw that I really liked. It was by um, Alex Meller from Plymouth. Um, and he presented this work um, with this really cool prep that I hadn't come across before, called compound acting at action potential recordings, where they um, kind of expose. He was looking at white matter and white matter generation, and so he they were exposing an optic nerve, and then by kind of bathing it in CSF and then recording directly from it um, to get EFIS recordings, and they did. He was doing some really cool work where they were um, looking at the effects of LPS on that. Um, with or without um a kind of uh, reduced uh, oxygen um in the in the um csf um and it was it was it's just a really interesting preparation that i'd never really come across before where it's kind of ex vivo um but it still has kind of real in vivo applications and it was nice then he kind of followed it on with this some kind of nice myelin imaging that um kind of went the same way that the that the hypoxia um, had a response on in terms of the uh, the response that they were seeing in both myelin imaging and also the the cap recordings, um, which wasn't there with LPS, but LPS kind of exacerbated the effects of of hypoxia um, in this this setting. And mm-hmm. I think he, it um, it was one of those presentations where you can you can tell that he thought a lot about the slide setup, mm-hmm. and he kind of like described yeah. each of the 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 experiments that you've done well so that even though it was a technique that I've never come across before and that I've it's kind of outside of my my field of research, it was quite a an informative talk that I kind of got a lot from it.
1: Absolutely. I think one of the best things about these conferences is actually not just learning about the science itself but also the techniques that people are using. I think it's a real opportunity, especially in person, to be able to find those people and say, oh that was such a cool technique you used.
0: Yeah.
1: How can I use you know, can I use it? How do I do it? Is there any sort of nuances I need to know about? And what I liked about his um, technique was he was using the eye. Mm. um, And I think the eye is actually underrated and under-researched in Alzheimer's um, research. And maybe this is a bit biased from my perspective, (laughs) but I'm interested in the blood-brain barrier. And one of the only other places where there's a similar type of barrier is actually in the retina. So I think for me, it's really good to see that other people are recognising the eye as a way to research the brain. Especially because in people, we can actually mm-hmm. look at the eye a lot more easier than the brain. So for me, I also really enjoyed yeah. that talk as well. So does anyone else have any last highlights that they would like to point out? Any last- I actually, I have one last Absolutely.
2: word. Um, and it was it's something I've written down. It was like a quote that came out of the career session. Um, and it was, I forget who said it now. Uh, Chris Moffat said it. And he said that if... Um, science is your passion and it's kind of something that's keeping you up at night and you manage to have a career in it it's one of the bre- best careers you could ever have and I that thought it was quite great. a nice yeah. little line and I wrote it down because it was just one of those things that I hadn't really thought about again when you get kind of narrowed down down, but actually if you really enjoy it and you're really passionate about it and you can make it work then it is actually a very kind of privileged career that we're all in so
1: absolutely that was in the the session that we've just come out of which was the careers panel Um, chris who was was a postdoc at dundee um, so he he also said something another quote that i really liked um, which was sometimes you think the grass is greener on the other side but it's not it's just a different shade of green and he was talking about his experience moving from academia to industry and i think that was actually for me i took that away because sometimes when things get tough you think oh is there another job out there that would be better but actually I think you know as you said I I mean I love science and we really are quite privileged to be able to think about the these questions and be able to design experiments and try and answer them it's such a I mean it's such a fun thing actually as well as hopefully solving some of the biggest problems that we face in the world so uh, yeah I thought the careers panel was, was really fantastic as well. And uh, Chris, especially, him, he had some excellent quotes there. Another thing I know about Chris is, which he didn't mention, which I'm quite disappointed about, is that actually he got stung when he was at Dundee by a radioactive bee, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 um. He <laughs> um. He, had, he doesn't have superpowers. Um. But he did have to go to A and E. And they had to phone the specialist in Edinburgh um, to ask what to do. I can imagine and that, what like. they came to the conclusion was, is I guess we'll just
0: wait and see. So um, it, must, it can't be a very common <laughs> presentation at <laughs> a clinic, right?
1: No, absolutely not. He's definitely a case study somewhere. <laughs> well. So, um, yeah, so he used to work with bees and um, that's his story. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see him flying off to um, the uh, conference drinks later (laughs) as he can now um fly um before we wrap up as this has been the ecr day i want to ask you all what advice you might have for any ecrs listening based on what you've heard today and your own experiences so let's start with ian
0: thanks um i (laughs) would say to this might may seem obvious but for ECRs, talk to people, like mingle, talk to people at posters, um, and it might be—I know because I'm a—you a, know—terrified introvert—to talk to people at posters. But to you know, find um, e- and even the the rest of the the sessions for the rest of the week, go and find that PI that you you've read their work, go and find um, the postdocs and kind of talk to them. Just introduce yourself. Um, what what interests you about their work? Um, because it's only things like this that when we've come out of the pandemic, personally i found that we've come out of the pandemic coming back into in-person meetings, that that's the thing that I miss about mm, in-person absolutely. meetings. You just don't get that um, from kind of the virtual meetings that we've had. So network, Not Network advice.
1: I think just to add on a little tip onto the end of that, someone once told me that if you are struggling to be able to talk to a PI, Find their postdoc or the PhD student and speak to them yeah. and get them to introduce you. That's how you, that's your in. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great tip. And yeah. um, sorry.
2: Um, I also I guess I wasn't going to. I've got a different one, but I want to reiterate networking as well because I actually have friends at this conference now that I first started talking to them at a the poster because I was like, you do the same thing as me. And then next year I'd see them and be like, hey, we're still doing the same thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. how's it going? Um, so I would like, especially at conferences, just like even just talking to someone at a poster, then it moves out of that space to being like, oh, hey, actually now what are you doing? Um, but my tip from today, and I mean, it's already been highlighted, is to try and get a mentor. Um so I'm very privileged to have Ian as one of mine from the programme. Um, I also have Fiona Kerr, who's been um, also really lovely. I love Fiona Kerr. Yeah, she's so, Fiona Care. she's so nice. Um, and I think actually they're opening the scheme again up soon. I think they mentioned at the start of the day. So as long as you're signed up to the AR UK network, you should get like an email or something about it or it will be on the portal. And I think it's a really good scheme. So um, yeah, that would be my top tip.
1: I think it's important to mention that it's free to join the ARUK networks. Um, so there's absolutely no excuse um, <laughs> to not be part of them. And um, yeah, those are those are great tips as well. Thank you, Soraya. Um, and yourself, Claire, what's your advice? Well, my two were kind of already stolen, but <laughs> oh, no. I have a
3: third one, so which is good. Um, I think just use it to find your spark. Um, and I'd say I remember sitting here as a first year PhD student feeling quite overwhelmed at the, why am I here? I I don't know anything about Alzheimer's disease. I'm a first year, I have no clue what's going on. But just know that you belong here and that know that there is a place for you in research. And if you can't see someone like you, be that person. So I think just make sure that you really feel you belong and carve your way because we need you in
1: Alzheimer's disease research. So
3: don't doubt yourself.
1: Oh, I love that, Claire. I think it's I think it's really important as well. It's we really need diversity in research because it's such a big problem, um, Alzheimer's disease and other dementia related diseases. We really need people who think in different ways to be able to solve this problem and it's the only way we're gonna get there is by lots of different people thinking about this problem in different ways. So I completely think what you said is is great. So thank you for that as well, Claire. I also just realized that I'm pretty sure I met all three of you online during the pandemic at some point. And this is potentially oh, yeah, the first time yeah,
0: yeah. I've met you all in person. <laughs> a room together. That's
1: lovely. Because I felt like I knew you when I walked in because we've so been on funny. so many online yeah, things. But yeah. now we're in a room together. Oh, that's lovely. That's all we have time for today. We're going to all go to the post-conference event for ECRs, um, but please stay tuned for the part two of the podcast, which is hosted by the amazing Dr. Zara Franklin, and her and her guests will bring you the highlights from the rest of the conference. So thank you to my brilliant guest, Dr. Claire Durant, the amazing Ian Harrison, and the incredible Dr. Soraya Mehta. And I'm Fiona McLean, and you have been listening to the Dementia Researcher Podcast.
0: Brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk in association with Alzheimer's Research UK, Alzheimer's Society, Race Against Dementia and the Alzheimer's Association. Bringing you research, news, career tips and support.